Good morning, heart and soul. So although I'm not speaking today, I have kind of inserted myself to do a bit of a promotion. Um, many of you, and I feel like this is, this is special, uh, the, the way all of this coincides is, is essential for us to, to make note of. I have in my hand the first combo issue of the Science of Mind magazine. So it is both the November issue and the December issue. And many of you are aware that print work uh, is changing in the world. When, when we got the notice that even Oprah was no longer publishing a monthly magazine, she now publishes quarterly, that gives you a sense of the notice we're being put on. So I am speaking to you right now on behalf of Heart and Soul, but also on behalf of Centers for Spiritual Living. And it's because the magazine, the Science of Mind magazine, needs a level of support. Couple of things. One, I'm asking you to subscribe. So you can subscribe for a print edition that they will mail to you. And I think that's like $36. Do we, I believe we have a slide for that. I don't see it up yet though. It's uh, $37 a year for the print. But there's also a digital version that is $15, yeah, $15 a month. So I encourage you to do this. And Here's part of why. Part of the heart and soul legacy is that Dr. Sean Jinwright is on the cover. Um, in, it's, it's his connection, work, participation, support of heart and soul that brought Dr. Sean to the awareness of Centers for Spiritual Living. And then it didn't take much else. Let's just say that. I... Um, uh, we hired him for our minister's council. I was co-chair at the time to do our retreat. And it, of course, was brilliant. All I had to do was mention his name and his work. And so he is the um, Centers for Spiritual Living spiritual hero for 2023. So we definitely want that. We definitely want that. I have asked them to send us some copies Here's the deal. When you subscribe, let us know. Send an email to info at heartsoulcenter.org because we want to track it. But I also want to know that you subscribed. Subscribing now will get you certainly the online, but it will not. It's a little late to get the print copy, but I've ordered some. So if you subscribe, then we'll work it out so that you can also get a copy of, of the magazine. And here's the shameless, my, my column is in there on page nine in this edition, but here's the shameless plug here. For the February issue, which will be the January-February issue, I have written the Black History Guide, the February Guide, so the daily guide I wrote, and I want us to have that. So that's another reason why I want us to subscribe so that we have first hand, and we'll be working with that throughout February as well. Yes? Yes. So remember to subscribe and then let us know that you have so we can transact the rest of our business. But also, I want to keep up with how this thing is working and whether y'all really want to play this game. Yes? Yes. So we have, there's just a few, a couple of other announcements that we want to do. Ron, if you will, will join me. Ron is the 
lead, has been the lead for our website circle forever. What, I'm just going to call it that rather than try to do any arithmetic in my mind. And has been such a gracious and willing lead. And so there's some recent developments that Ron is going to share with us. Thank you, Dr. Andre, Dr. Andriette. Good morning, family. Uh, yeah, a lot's been happening. I am uh, absolutely delighted to announce we have a newly formed website circle. Uh, yes. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a moment to introduce the members. Damali, excuse me, practitioner uh, Damali Robertson. Uh, Janice Richmond, who's not with us today as well. Um, Sally Dew, our, we're part of our welcome circle. Uh, Kathy Dew. <laughs> uh, and our members, uh, Sheila Lewis, who is uh, based, uh, based in Seattle. Um, what, is, what, I, what I'm enjoying so much about working uh, with, with our team is that uh, Sally and uh, Kathy bring decades of experience in, in website design uh, and, uh, and graphics. Uh, Damali uh, is the teller of truth. <laughs> uh, and in such a way that uh, when people come to our website, they will be able to get that this is heart and soul. Uh, from, from the content that's there. Uh, and Janice Richmond is our graphic artist. Very much of what you see in the sanctuary and around is, is, her, is her work. Uh, and Sheila Lewis is the um, project manager of project managers. Uh, and I'm also delighted to announce that she has uh, recently uh, accepted the role of co-lead uh, for our website circle. Yes. Um, so there's a lot going on. Uh, and we're actively engaged in, uh, in uh, redesigning a website, uh, and that is—it's a huge undertaking. Uh, we did it—we did a similar uh, update five years ago, more, maybe maybe more than that, and it was work. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited at the progress that we're making uh, with this with this go around. We have—we're uh, conducting listening tours so that we can get uh, feedback an input from, uh, from, from our family, from the community. Uh, and um, in addition to that, you know, there's going to be more things that are going to be revealed uh, at the, uh, our annual meeting in, Jan uh, in, Jan in January. So wonderful things happening. Looking forward to um, uh, having a more engaging uh, and an uplifting and, uh, and informative website, not just for our community, but for anyone that is looking for a spiritual home, which shouldn't should or should but should be this one <laughs> uh and yeah so reverend doctor thank you ron uh just kudos to the reformation of the team let me acknowledge that there has always been a website team and those folks were steady freddy about ensuring that we had something up in the way of a presence, a website presence for Heart and Soul. And now there's another level. There's a shift for that, and they are just moving full speed ahead. And part of what came out of this team was the request, the suggestion, that we update the logo. And our logo has been... You know, we know there have been some iterations over from the very beginning. The first iteration was a result of, the change was a result of how difficult it was to reprint 
our original logo in the best form. It was several layers and it was just hard to keep up with. The next one we love, it's the one that's up there. We've been doing that for a good while now. But today, we are unveiling. This is the reveal for the new logo, our newest. So here we go. Well, oh, grab it at, right here. Well, no, that's not it. This is what does it. So that's the new logo. Yeah. When I see it, it makes me think. At first of all, it's an homage to our original logo for those of us who, who are familiar with that. But it also says to me that our heart is lit. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ron. I'm just going to put this right here for now so I can get it out of my hand. There we go. Because I also have another opportunity. I want to say that the path to membership, I'm sorry, the path, our, there is a path to membership that we're working on that's coming up, but this ain't that. The path to ministry is a, an individual path. It's a path that looks very, my path looks very different than many of my colleagues. And it is simply an individual path that has all, I liken it to a garden. So seeds are planted and sometimes there's weeds around. Sometimes other stuff that we didn't know was planted there pops up. The bottom line is that ultimately there's something quite magnificent that unfolds. And heart and soul in this particular case, I know that many of us who were here in 2009 had the experience of watching Sonia Russell, who was then completing her practitioner work and was about 37 years old. All of this is pre-grace. There's a pre-grace Sonia and there's a post-grace Sonia. Yes or no? Okay. All right. So all of this is pre-grace. And what I want to acknowledge is that we have had the unique and blessed opportunity to watch the progression, to watch the expansion, to be blessed by the shifts and changes that a human takes on when there is a calling on their life, when they're choosing something beyond whatever they've chosen before. Does this make sense? Yeah. So in this particular case, what I want to acknowledge is that we are at a unique place in time where Sonia's path to ministry has, we acknowledged her a couple of years ago when she first completed her ministerial studies. And now we're acknowledging her. I'm going to invite Reverend Sonia up and Reverend Jack. Because we have a bit of business. All right. So I'm going to invite you and then I'll do a welcome. Okay. Sounds good. So. I think there we go. I can tell my mic is on now. Yeah. You know, it's part of even what I'm going to be talking about today 
are the attributes of ministry and attributes of answering the call. And so I'm going to ask each and every one of you right now to think about what is an attribute in a good minister? What do I look for a minister to be? Well, part of it, if you need a clue, it's in our mission statement. It's in our vision statement. Loving, compassionate, world-class, and teaching. So it's right there. So anyone who's called to ministry here in this house is going to have some of that. I want you to know that Reverend Sonia is and has been one of those teachers. And I love that you lifted up grace because there's these moments when you notice what you notice and you go, oh, she's teaching me right now. And so Reverend Sonia and I were standing side by side at a registration table, working some stuff, doing some stuff, very busy. And Grace comes up and wanted mom's attention. We were busy. <laughs> and Grace was getting a little bit more agitated that mom just wasn't stopping what she was doing in that particular moment to give her her full attention. And this one, as a teacher, looked at Grace and said, I get that you're upset. I want you to be upset. Do you want to be upset for one minute? Or do you want to be upset for two minutes? And Grace goes, two minutes. <laughs> and this one said, okay, good, I support that. Go right over there and stand and be as upset as you possibly can be for two minutes. So Grace, being Grace, goes over and she starts. And after just a little bit of time, she looked back at her mom and said, is it two minutes yet? <laughs> and I thought, oh, now that's a teaching I'm going to use. It teaches us to be in the now, acknowledge what is, and be willing to let it go. So with that, I'm going to trade places with you and let you stand between us. As we, on behalf of the Board of Trustees, Leadership Council of Heart and Soul, acknowledge you as our beloved staff minister. Yeah. Reverend Andrea. So I love that you're already standing if you would now outstretch your arms. And we have our hands, our, our hands out towards Reverend Sonia because it, we, it, this is our way of extending our heart. It's to represent the extension of our heart and our welcome to you. And so we say, and I'm going to ask you to simply repeat after me, please. Reverend Sonia, we see you. Reverend Sonia, we see you. We have seen you across time. We've seen the twist and the turns. We've watched you rise. We watched you rise. And we hear you. And we, hear you. We, love you. we love you. 
And we thank God for you. And we welcome you as heart and souls, newest staff minister. Yay! Inside my pain is a sea 
of my strength. In God is the gravity that holds me together. In God is the orbit in which I am spinning. I see the stars and I remember to remember inside my pain is the sea of my strength. God is my life. In God is such excellence. All the ways that we seem to fail. In God, all faith, in all faith, to God, it all fades into Thank you, thank you. It does all flow into God. There's a part of me that most wishes you here in the room would flow a little closer so I could feel your energy and you'd be a little closer. But I'm going to ask you right where you are to really be intimate and close with us right now. And those of you watching at home, I'm going to ask you to blow up the chat and to let us know that you're right there engaged because... As I prepared my talk today, knowing that we were going to be honoring Reverend Sonia, I was really thinking in this whole idea of answering the call to ministry. The Reverend Dr. Andriette made a comment that it's a very individualized path that we each take. But those of us that are ministers sometimes, especially when we welcome new ministers, there's this kind of unspoken thing. It's like, we're supposed to show them how to do it. We're supposed to prepare them for what they're about to experience. And there is no preparing them for what they're about to experience. And it's like, I can only look at my own journey to ministry that started some 38 years ago and realized that one of my teachers in that journey of knowing what to do was my beloved best friend, Gary Stroer. And so I'm going to talk to you about Christmas, December of 1991. Gary was just about to go into hospice care. He was making, getting ready to make his transition during the AIDS pandemic. 
And one of the things the doctor said to him is, you really need to be going into hospice. And he said, but I don't want to. I want to go and spend Christmas at Jack's house. And the doctor said, well, okay, you can do that, but there's something you must prove to me that you were able to do on your own. And that was to take his medicine intravenously. So when he arrived at my house, there was the rack and the tube and the medicine and the cord, and he had to be able to administer his own medication every four hours in order for him to be there. So Gary, being Gary, did something that was very Gary. He looked at me and says, you have to do this. <laughs> and I was willing, but afraid because it was this bubble thing. And if the bubble thing happens, I would be helping him make that transition about six months sooner than he did. And so I thought, okay, God, I'm a vessel. Show me how to do this thing. And Gary started to teach me, you do this, you do this, you do this. And then I had an aha. He's not expecting me to know how to do this. He's teaching me so he'll know how to do this. That was him reassuring himself in each step along the way that he knew what to do. And I thought, that's what ministry is. Here's the thing behind the curtain in ministry. You are just a little further down the road and just a little bit more around the next curve than anyone else. But you're still on a journey. You're still on a very individualized journey. And what we know about that journey, there are potholes. There are bumps, some places there are those speed bumps that you didn't even know that were there. And alongside of that road is an eddy of muck and yuck. And if you get just a little bit off the path, you get stuck in that eddy. And guess what? That's what you've been called to teach. Now, the other person that I want to share with you is a person that you could look up on Facebook. His name is Gabriel Delgado. He is an opera singer that lives in Puerto Vallarta. And there was this, not long after Gary's transition, and I'm really looking at my ministry and understanding what it is that I'm called to do, I decided that I needed to go on a little spiritual respite myself just to get back in the pace, just to get back in the line and to learn what it is that I'm called to do. And so I go to Puerto Vallarta, and one of the things that I do when I travel is I try chicken salad. <laughs> chicken salad is one of my most favorite foods. It doesn't matter whether it's the chicken salad from Safeway, from Costco, or wherever. There is, like cheesecake, there is no bad chicken salad. 
So I've arrived in Puerto Vallarta. I'm, you know, checked into my friend's condo that I'm staying at, and I'm walking around the romance zone, and I see a sandwich board sign out in front of this restaurant that says, chicken salad, I'm in. This is where I'm having lunch. So I go in, and it was a restaurant adjacent to a hotel, and as you're in the restaurant, you're sitting there looking out at the ocean, taking in the view. There are some, you know, chase lounges just off of the deck of the restaurant that goes to the ocean. But this restaurant has a few people in it, and so I sit down at my table and I order my chicken salad. And I have my copy of Ernest Holmes' book, This Thing Called You. And I'm doing some little journaling and reading and thinking and what is it that I am discovering. And the devotional that I had looked at that day was Matthew chapter 25. And I remember it because it was the first Sunday school lesson, for those of you who know this thing called Sunday school, that was mandatory attendance for all of us that were raised in certain families. Well, I adored my Sunday school teacher when I was five. Her name was Mrs. Stocksdale. And she was the first teacher that I really paid attention to because she made learning so interesting. She was an educational teacher, not unlike the Reverend Dr. Andriette Earl, that kind of brings you into the lesson and makes you want to know a little bit more. And so she was the first one who I heard say out loud, you know there's really only one gospel that you need to follow. And it is the gospel taught by the master teacher, Yeshua, who the world came to call Jesus, where he said and told them that the time will come where the king will come and separate those on the right and say, you clothed me when I wasn't clothed. You fed me when I wasn't hungry. You fed me when I was hungry. You taught me what I needed to be. You visited me when I was in jail. And they looked at him and said, but when? When did we ever see you that way? And he said, for as much as you did it to one, you did it to all. And it was like, she says, that's all you need to do. Now she said, that's all you need to do to be a good Christian, but that's all you need to do to be a good person. So I'm sitting there and I'm writing this lesson and I'm thinking about that. It's like, okay, feed the hungry, clothe the unclothed. Visit those that are incarcerated. Can I do that? How do I, how do, I do that? And I kind of glanced over and looked at an adjacent table, and there was this young man sitting at this table that had like eight books and a notebook, and he was reading and copying and reading and copying and reading and copying, and I thought, I have my one book and my one journal. He must be studying for an exam. And he was smart enough that he had his back to the ocean. Because I'm still sitting there in my table, looking out at the ocean, looking out at all the beauty that is there, getting inspired, but he's focused. And I knew just enough Spanish 
that I could see the titles of a couple of books and it translated to like constitutional law, you know, trial preparation. And I thought, oh, he must be studying for a bar exam. Well, just as I observed that, I noticed as this as happens, a young man was being chased out of the restaurant. Someone about 13, 14 years old was being chased out by the waiter. And that caught Gabriel's attention, and Gabriel looked up, and he raised his hand, and no, stop, stop. And he had some words with the waiter, and he pointed for the young man to sit down at the table across from him. And just a moment later, a large bowl of soup arrived, and he placed it in front of the young man. And then I noticed that the young man was starting to, if there were two carrots, eat one carrot. If there were two potatoes, eat one potato. Whatever the vegetable was, he, he, shared, he was counting it out. And Gabriel noticed this as well, and he called for the waiter and he asked for another bowl to be delivered to the table and told the young man to go get his friend. But it was clearly the sign was, you have somebody else you're traveling with here who is as hungry as you are. And so the other young men came and they sat down across the table from one another and they had the bowl of soup. Well, of course they ate like in a minute. I mean, it was quickly devoured. And then my friend Gabriel kind of set them on their way. And I, I thought, I've got to have a conversation with this person. I've got to talk to him because he just demonstrated to me the part of feed them and they are when they are hungry. And I was impressed with how he did it. And so I'm looking at the books and I said, you must be studying for a bar exam. And he goes, yes, I, I, I'm going to be a lawyer because I'm dedicated my life to working with those people that have been wrongly imprisoned. And I thought the second lesson and so we talked a little bit more, and I invited, I said, may I come over and sit with you? And we talked a little bit more, and then it was time to, to, to the, the lunch was done. You know, the restaurant was getting ready to prepare for the evening meal, and we were still sitting there. And he said, well, come on with me. And just as we left the restaurant, there was this elderly woman with one of those patio umbrellas, and about 30 T-shirts folded over her arm this way, and another bag that she was carrying. And she was a vendor who on the beach was just selling stuff to whatever tourist that might take it. And he walked up to her and said, do you need help? And she said, yes. And he turned and immediately handed me the umbrella, took the T-shirts off of her arm, grabbed the bag, and, but before he moved, he purchased two of the t-shirts and two of the flip-flops and turned and called to the two young men that were still on the beach and gave them a shirt and a pair of flip-flops. And I thought, and I needed clothes and you clothed me. And so we start to walk up this cobblestone street up this hill to the top of the road and he hailed a taxi cab and put this woman's belongings in the cab, put her in the cab, 
and paid for her to go on her way home. And I said, you are who I've been praying to meet. You are the teacher that had been called to teach me how to put into action this verse that I was aware of many years ago as being the signature thing that I needed to know when I was answering the call to ministry. And we talked more and more and more and more into that evening. And it was like-minded people. One of those people where you, you get what Iyanla Van Sand says when people come into your life for a reason, a season, and a lifetime. Now that was the one day in my life that I spent with that human being. He came into my life for a reason, to be the demonstration of that that I was seeking to understand more. He was, put it in into, he was putting it into practice. And so I have used that throughout my ministry to know whether I'm on track or not. Am I doing what it is that I am called to do? And I call upon Gary from time to time to remind me that as ministers, we are called to teach that we must learn. And so if you feel any call in your life, what I want you to know is think of it as if you were going to teach it as if you were going to teach it to a sibling, if you were going to teach it to a child, if you were going to teach it to a co-worker, because that, as our friend Harold once said, will concretize it into your knowingness so that you can keep it, embrace it, and hold it, and celebrate it. So my word for Reverend Sonia today is I know that this is just the beginning. And even though that road that you've traveled thus far has been bumping, has had its icy patches, has had the opportunity where you've stepped off the path and ended up in the eddy, you got yourself out. You got yourself out and you activated that attribute known as perseverance. You also activated that attribute known as faith. Because we would not need faith if the road was always smooth. Faith is what we actualize when the road gets bumpy. And those of us that have lived a little bit know it's going to get bumpy. There's going to be some curves that you did not expect. There's going to be, somebody's going to change the lanes. You know, and so it's our faith is what we call upon in our life to know that we can transcend whatever shows up. Now, here's the thing that I've realized in my ministry. I've never asked another human being, how can I better be your minister? How can I be of service to you? 
And I realized that that was a missed opportunity. Because just as I also know, if I were to ask the same question, ooh, what would I want a minister to be? So I don't know that I could say to Reverend Sonia or to anyone, here's what you need to be in order to be an effective minister other than to be loving and compassionate and committed to being world-class as a teacher. As a teacher. Because what we're really called to be is the demonstration of what it is to show people how to get from where they are to where they want to be. And that's always changing. It's always changing. When I first became a minister, I became a minister because I was angry. I became a minister because ministers were shunning people with HIV and AIDS and saying, uh, I'm not doing your funeral. I said, I can do that. I can do that. I'll go get whatever it takes in order to do that. And I now look back at some of the decisions that I made at 32, 33 years old when I proclaimed that I was going to be a minister and thought, you were pretty audacious. But I did it anyway. And so the other secret to being an effective minister, an effective practitioner, effective congregant at Heart and Soul Center and Light is to be willing to do it anyway. If you think you're not enough, that's the lie that in some congregations they would say the enemy wants you to believe. Don't believe it. You wouldn't be where you are right now unless you were enough. So all you can do is show up anyway and trust this process that faith will stand up and show you, say this, do that, extend that arm. So when I say I never ask how to be your minister, I trusted that process. But here's the other thing I need to let you know. Anyone within my voice know this. Your minister does not come with a crystal ball. There are going to be those times when we let you down, disappoint you, and dare I say in the most spiritual way, piss you off. And if we do, we've done our job. Because that's your journey. I can't tell you how many times that I have, in a metaphorical way, said, here's the bridge from getting from where you are to where you want to be. And I'll be on the other side of the bridge. It reminds me of my mom who was teaching me how to ride a bike. She was never that parent that was behind me or alongside she walked further up the sidewalk, drew a chalk line, and, I sit, and said, I'm over here, come to me. That was my motivation from getting from where I was to where I wanted to be. I wanted to be with her, and I had to ride that bike to get there. So as a minister, sometimes I'm on that other side of the bridge going, okay, here's where you want to be, and the person is on the other side going, but aren't you going to drag me across? No. 
I'm not going to drag you across. I'm not going to go look for you if you're not there. That's on you. You've got to be willing to do it for yourself. That second step from where life happens to me to taking dominion, where life happens by me, you've got to walk across that bridge. You've got to walk across that bridge. Otherwise, if you don't walk across that bridge, you will never meet the like-minded travelers in the next thing, the next level of consciousness where you're surrounded like we are here with like-minded people. So the key is, be ready. And I'm going to ask my brother in ministry to come to the pulpit because he's going to read the quote from Dr. Ernest Holmes today that I want to share with you. So, Revelo. Peace be unto thee, stranger. Enter and be not afraid. I have left the gate open, and thou art welcome in my home. There is room in my house for all. I have swept the hearth and lighted the fire. The room is warm and cheerful, and you will find comfort and rest within. The table is laid, and the fruits of life are spread before thee. The wine is here also. It sparkles in the light. I have set a chair for you where the sunbeams dance through the shade. Sit and rest and refresh your soul. Eat of the fruit and drink of the wine. All, all is yours and you are welcome. Thank you, Reverend Angelo. We are called to create that safe sanctuary. Whether it be in your living room, whether it be at the bench beside of you on BART, whether it be at this very door, you are called, each and every one of you, to be the demonstration of this is a safe place. All are welcomed here. All have come here because they have been drawn here by you. You are heart and soul center of light. The Reverend Dr. Andriette Earl and I, the Reverend Angelo and I, Reverend Armand and I, Reverend Sonia and I, we're the teachers, but you are the heart and soul of heart and soul center of light. And I want to leave that with you, that you never forget that, that you embrace that, that you celebrate that, and know that if we are going to be a part of the creation of a world that works for all, it's on you. It's on you. And here's what I know to be true. You're ready. You are ready because all things come together for the goodness that God is. You are the demonstration of that God because we know that God 
is love. And so it is. Thank you. And the glory and the love 
everywhere. I can see it, it's everywhere. And I know in my heart, yes, the power and the glory and the love of God is everywhere. I see it, it's everywhere. I feel it, it's everywhere. And I know in my heart, yes, I walk in the love of God. Oh! 